Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, invites you to be the informed patient with the podcast that features experts from Central New York's only academic medical center. I'm your host, Amber Smith. As Central New Yorkers begin to enjoy summer weather, I'm with Tamara Roberts from the Clark Burn Center at Upstate with some reminders about safety. Ms. Roberts is the Burn Program Manager. Welcome back to the Informed Patient, Ms. Roberts. Thank you for having me here. Now, because some people like to celebrate with fireworks for the 4th of July and other summertime gatherings, I'd like to first ask you about how frequently you see patients at the Burn Center who were injured by fireworks. We don't see a lot of patients that are admitted inpatient. They're more often seen in our outpatient setting because they're not as major of burn injuries. Uh, What we see are a lot more of the injuries that are associated with the activities that go around the firework events and everything that kind of happens. So those are, you know, all different types of injuries that are occurring during the 4th of July weekend and things like that. Are they burn related? Yes. Yeah, they are burn related injuries. It can be things such as injuries related to falling into bonfires, applying fuel or other combustible things into a fire and then having it explode and people are getting injured that way. Um, Unfortunately, sometimes people will drink alcohol and trip and fall into a fire. So we really are seeing a lot of the injuries that are associated around the holidays, not only with fireworks, but also all the other activities that kind of go along with it. Lots of sparkler injuries we do see on our kiddos. Sparklers, those are very appealing because those people hold in their hand, right? And you light the tip? Yeah, yeah. The sparklers are the ones that typically the kids will hold it and it has all the nice little pretty sparkles that goes and they can whip them around. People think that they're safe for kids, but those can get up to 2000 degrees Fahrenheit. So they are really hot. And if the child were to touch where it was lit, it can give a very deep, deep burn to these children. And if they are dropped on the ground and they step on it, they can get burns that way as well. So we suggest keeping a bucket of water. If parents are allowing the kids to use the sparklers, have a bucket of water out there so that when they're done utilizing the sparklers, that they're putting them into that bucket of water. In general, the fireworks that people like to do at their homes, do you think those have become safer over the years? Because years ago, they were... They seem to be the source of some really significant injury. No, I don't believe they've become safer. We still strongly urge people to leave fireworks to the pros. They have made some that are legal to purchase in the state of New York, but they're still very dangerous and they can have, um, you know, complications. And we're not the only burn center in the state of New York. And so maybe in our area, we're not seeing those injuries, but definitely in some of the other burn centers, they've seen real significant injuries. Things that you can buy are bottle rockets and fountains and those types of things. You have shooting flames coming out and and they're extremely dangerous. They can catch clothes on fire. They can um, cause a lot of damage. There are uh, 
kid-friendly fireworks is what they call them and people will buy them because they think they're safe they're like the snakes and the little smoke bombs and because they're popular with the younger kids uh and kids aren't really familiar with how to handle them you know there's a lot of injuries that happen every year about five percent of all your firework injuries are actually from ones that are designed for children so they're not really that safe are there instructions that people need to follow to make them safer? There are instructions, and most of them say that once something is lit, you're not supposed to hold on to it. You're supposed to set it down and move away. There shouldn't be only one person there lighting it, and everybody else should be a safe distance away from it. And you definitely need to make sure that children are not around when you're lighting it, and they should never be faced towards anybody. And you should be in an area that is not heavily populated with homes and burnable debris and things like that because stuff can catch on fire. In terms of other potential burn injuries, this is the time of year people are having maybe campfires. What mistakes have you seen people make that could be avoided around campfires? I think educating their kids on how to stay away from a campfire, or if they're cooking on the campfire, maybe toasting marshmallows or things like that. How to be a safe distance away. Making sure that you're not consuming alcoholic beverages when around a campfire, because accidents happen really quickly and they can be very detrimental, not only to adults, but also to children. So we wanna make sure that we're being safe and when we're putting the fires out, we need to make sure that, you know, they're applying water and putting that out. And the other thing is never put gasoline or any other igniter onto uh, a campfire because it causes severe injuries. You get that explosive fire and it will cause a flash burn. If someone suffers a burn from the open flames or a flash burn at a campfire, what is the first aid that you would advise? Immediately stop that burning process. If they're on fire, you, they need to stop, drop, and roll to get that fire out. And then they need to cool it with lukewarm water. So if they have that ability, they need to, um, for at least five minutes, be cooling it with lukewarm water. Never use ice because ice actually can cause further injury to the tissues of the skin and make your burn worse. So we um, strongly discourage that. Um, and then depending on how severe it is, they may need to go get treatment. How would they know if they need to go to the hospital? If, if they have open tissue or blistering and it's a pretty big area, I would say if it's covering their entire forearm or even a hand that may be uh, like a whitish color, it could be very severe. Um, it's better to go get checked out than to not get checked out. Err on the side of safety. This is Upstate's The Informed Patient Podcast. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with Tamara Roberts. She's the burn program manager at Upstate's Clark Burn Center. Now, grills and smokers are popular in the summer. Do you ever see people who have severe burns from touching the grates or the charcoal? 
we've seen where we've had some of the kids who will grab the grates on some of the grills, as well as just bumping up against the grills. So we always try to provide education, making sure that we teach about safe space. And just like we do when we talk about in the kitchen, having that safe area, at least three feet around a stove, we would like to have you teach your children the same thing about when you're cooking with a grill. And also with grills, we see, you know, propane grills are terrible because you go to light them and you've got that fuel on and you've got the cover closed. So you have to think about those gases that are in there and people get down in there and you can get a flash burn from that. And also thinking about where your grill is. We've seen uh, structure fires, their houses catch on fire because they're doing it on a porch and leaving it unattended. And that can be really unsafe. So it's better to take it down on the yard away from your house and always make sure you are watching the grill because you never know if grease is going to drip down and cause some type of a fire. And you always want to make sure that if you're opening it because you think there's a fire, be very careful with opening it. And um, if it's not something that you can put out, call the fire department. Don't be a hero. Now, what about sunburns? Does the burn unit ever get patients with sunburns that are so severe that they need hospitalization? In my 12 years here, I have had just two. One was a child and one was an adult. A lot of times it's with photosensitivity medications. That's those medicines that we take and it says right on there, don't be out in the sun. Um, and your skin gets burned so badly that it actually causes a deep, what we call a, a second degree burn. So there's blisters and the skin is coming off. So people really need to remember that you apply sunscreen and it's not just once. You have to apply it liberally multiple times throughout the day because the sun really does wreak havoc on our skin and it can cause burns really easily. And that's adults, that's kids, and we just have to really make sure that we're protecting ourselves. If someone neglects to use sunscreen or adequate sunscreen and they end up with a severe sunburn, what advice do you have for how to treat it at home? If it's a severe sunburn and they have open skin, I would recommend that they probably be seen at least in the burn clinic to assess the situation and determine if it's very severe. They can you know, wash with soap and water as they normally would. But not being a doctor, I can't say just apply something. Um, it's better for them to go to the burn clinic here at Upstate or just come to the emergency room to be seen by one of our physicians who can adequately say, you know, this is what you should do. So how does one get into the burn clinic or wh what do they do? Where do they go? We have a number that they can call it right here in Upstate. It's the 315-464-1800 and push the button that they say for burn clinic. And they can call 
and get an appointment scheduled right into the clinic. We have clinics four days a week so that people can get in and be seen. And if someone went to the emergency department, would they eventually, would they put them to the burn clinic or would they take care of them there first, I guess? If they were to go to the emergency department, they would be assessed by our burn team right there in the emergency department or one of the physicians trained in burns down there. And they would assess if they need to be admitted into the hospital, if they need further treatment, or if they can just follow up in the burn clinic and they'll help them make that appointment. I'd like to ask you about an alert from the American Burn Association, kind of looking ahead to fall and winter. What is this group's new concern? Well, with the colder temperatures coming, there's a big concern that um, because of the rising cost in fuel, that people are going to use alternative methods for heating their homes. And and that is very alarming because we we know that space heaters and using our stoves to try to warm up our homes is just so risky. Many times people will have fires in their homes because of space heaters tipping over or clothes getting knocked onto a space heater. And sometimes people have ended up with carbon monoxide poisoning, which is a gas that's colorless and odorless, and we can't see it, smell it, hear it, that we can have overcome us and we die from it. Um, But people use their stoves to warm their home when they can't afford to put fuel or propane in a tank to heat their home. Related to that, let's talk about smoke detectors. How many smoke detectors do you need in a house? Well, the law says that you should have one at least in your kitchen, outside your living room. There should be one down in your basement by the attic. There's supposed to be one outside of every bedroom. So that's a lot of smoke detectors, perhaps. It is. How how can people obtain smoke detectors and learn about how to install them properly? The Clark Burn Center is collaborating with different entities within communities, and we're doing our first what we call Install the Device and Save a Life program. And our first one will be at Brady Market in Syracuse. And what we're doing is we'll be providing at least one smoke detector to each home. And it's also going to provide you information with how you can get more smoke alarms. Uh, If you need more smoke alarms for your home, it's going to provide a video uh, link on how to install these. We'll have videos on how to install smoke alarms appropriately. We're also going to have education on uh, fire and burn prevention, as well as education on poison control. So we'll be talking about carbon monoxide poisoning, those odorless, tasteless gases that can overcome us in our homes, and uh, many other activities for kids to also learn about uh, safety and making an escape plan if there were a fire in the home and things. So that'll be happening in July of this year. And then for future events that the Burn Center will have representatives at, people can go to Facebook, to the Upstate Health Facebook page, and that's where you're sharing information about the locations that where you'll be, right? Yes. Yep. That'll be posted up there, the dates, times, locations that we will be there. Yes. 
Well, thank you so much for making time for this interview. Thank you for having me and letting me educate people. My guest has been Tamara Roberts. She's the Burn Program Manager at Upstate's Clark Burn Center. The Informed Patient is a podcast covering health, science, and medicine brought to you by Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, and produced by Jim Howe. Find our archive of previous episodes at upstate.edu informed. This is your host, Amber Smith, thanking you for listening.